Welcome back to the Her Advantage podcast. I'm your host, Mel, and this is episode 33. I'm here with coach, educator, facilitator, and friend, Justin Wiseman. Justin has been on the podcast before, so if you're a keen Her Advantage listener, you will hear a familiar voice. But we're deep diving into a different topic today. I guess the overriding topic is perfectionism, but what we really looked at within perfectionism was the guilt and shame of when we get caught up in who we think we need to be, the frustration, the lack of tolerance, and, you know, this burning desire to want to do things differently, but just not feeling like we can. Before I ruin it, not going to give it any justice. Let's just hit play. As always, if you find this podcast useful, share it with someone that you think might also find it useful and hit follow along on your platform. Without further ado, here's Justin. Now that I've spoken all the good juice and you've hit record. No, I was going to try and like loop back around. Justin Uh. and I have been talking for half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I told him that I was going to hit record from the start and I was like, nah, then we ended up chatting about life stuff. And then all of a sudden Justin got into the juice, like he just said, and I was like, oh my God, I'm hitting record. And now we're off our tangent. (laughs) Um, But what if, and obviously there's no context here, but we're going to dive in anyway. These things, hypothetically me prioritizing my social life, knowing that it's something that fills me up and knowing that something of value, but there's shame and guilt there because I haven't done the things I haven't earned the money I wanted to this week. I haven't had the leads conversations that I wanted to have this week. The other measures that I would, it's not necessarily the tasks I would deem me being successful. It's the outcome to then have that reward of socializing or spending money or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Do you, So do you want to like just explain a little bit more the context for the huh? deal? <laughs> no, come on, come on. <laughs> I don't even know where we were. So, uh, so you're just saying that that this weekend you've you've got um, plans to go out, um, but you basically haven't got like achieved the outcomes that you wanted to achieve this week, and so you feel a bit what guilty. We, what were we talking about before that though? That got me to say that. Oh, so I was so well, dude. This is this is when tangents. It was a I tangent, know. wasn't it? <laughs> um, so. No, that was the story I told about me in relation to that. Um, oh, we were talking about the work week and how seven days of the week are seven days of the week. There's not Monday to Friday, Saturday and Sunday. It's just seven days in the week. So if you have like a shit Monday and Tuesday, you can still decide to work Saturday, Sunday. Like it's not yeah. like it's a set day with set tasks. And I said, you're speaking to me. Yeah. I've got two social occasions, two two social outcomes, two social things this weekend, and I'm feeling very overwhelmed because I feel like I haven't achieved what I wanted to achieve to deserve mm. social this weekend. Yeah, yeah. So you want me to go into that again? Okay. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> so, um... so then we lead back to the beginning of the conversation where we were talking about yeah, bringing in that shame and the guilt. Like it's not necessarily that it's a reward. It's that, yeah. oh, I haven't achieved the outcomes that I wanted to achieve. How can I then go and do the things that I enjoy? 
Yeah. So I think, so I think that I, you know, I went on to say, um, and I'll just start again. I need to just get my head in the present instead of trying to go backwards now. So when I, when I think about that, it's like when you're attached to like, so say if you say your social engagements are are a reward, which usually means that you have to um, like, you, you don't deserve it if you haven't done the things that are related to that reward. Um, And so if you become attached you got to let go of the attachment to that being a reward because if you if you're beating yourself up or feeling in shame and guilt for not achieving those outcomes or the tasks that you've set yourself for the week because of whatever reason that that you haven't been able to do it or you've chosen not to do it um and this could come in any form right it could like if we told ourselves we want to walk 5 days a week we haven't walked 5 days a week we wanted to go to the gym we haven't we wanted to meal prep whatever the task is it doesn't necessarily have to be work related whatever tasks we've set ourselves yeah correct so if it's like go to the gym 5 times this week as an example so we use an example which is related to health and you do not do that because let's even say that your kids are sick or let's say that you've had pain in your control yeah, like, or you've had pain in your body or something has just, you know, inhibited you from doing that. And then you see going out with your friends as something of a reward for doing that. So therefore you feel undeserving of not going out and seeing your friends, even though that might be the thing that fulfills you based on your value system. Um, And so you feel shame and guilt around not achieving it. And then you're resistant to actually going. Um, And so one of the key things to remember if we go into like the seven days is that there's seven days in a week. And so um, you don't necessarily have to say, let's say in this example, go five, five days. But the truth is, is that there's seven days. Most people operate in the system that there's five days a week. Like if you talk to them, they chunk their weeks into five and two, five and two, five and two. Um, And so the truth is, is that there's seven days. There's no, no five and two. That's just a paradigm that people live in. Um, and I used to live in it. Um, and so if you it's live in really, this, especially when you've got children, like Justin, you've got kids and they go to school. They're not, you're not, you don't homeschool, do you? No, no, no. They all go to school. Yeah. 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 So it, even in that, like there's a five and two there. So it's easy to kind of flip back into that. Oh, there's five and two. Yeah. Well, yeah. and most work weeks are five and two as well. Yeah. So, so there's like this, this chunk that people live in or this world that people live in, that there's two different like lives that occur between Monday to Friday. Uh, and it might even be Friday knockoff time um, through the weekend. And so m- most people, because they chunk in that, um, they chunk their weeks in that way or the way that they think about their weeks is, is in that way. Um, if they don't achieve the things from Monday to Friday, then all of a sudden they think that that they don't have the capacity to achieve them on the weekend or they they die, fall into social norms, right, because of the chunking. So, you know, I shared the example with you before and I'll share it again now. I used to fall into the same trap where it would be like Monday to Friday and if I, when it got to the weekend, whether I'd achieved my outcomes or not or it got to Friday um, I would fall into the the ideas that or the social norms that, you know, the weekends is for family and the weekends is for the kids and the weekends is for looking after the house and the weekends is for going on holidays and trips. But the truth is, is that based on my value system, that wasn't necessarily fulfilling for me. 
So I would I would literally try and step into that. Um, and when I'd try and step into that, I was like a dude with, I was like I had ADHD. I'd literally walk around the house. I would, I say to people like I was walking into walls because that was the capacity that I had. Like it was like, I was like kind of frustrated the whole time because I was trying to live based on what I thought was normal. Um, but when I realized that that isn't normal for me because my normal is based on my values and I love working and I love serving and I love speaking and I love coaching and I love um, teaching and educating. And so in order to have a fulfilling life, I had to realize that there's only, there's just seven days. You know, it's not, if you, if you run on a seven day cycle, there's just seven days, it's not a five and two. So what that means is that, is that um, if it gets to Friday and you haven't achieved the things that you think you're meant to have achieved by Friday. You've obviously if, failed. Well, you've failed, right? But, but well, you haven't really. It's like, well, no, it's just there's still, you still have another two days in order to achieve those outcomes if you choose to. Yeah. But then the other side of that as well is, which we spoke about with you, was that we come back to the original element. If you're, if you've got a value, Mel, on social connection and um, I asked you the question. I said, did you socially connect last weekend? And you said, no. And I said, okay. So then this week's been obviously a bit flat. She's yes. Okay. So if you have a value on social connection <clears throat> and and you're not fulfilling that value of social connection um, and then you're feeling guilty. So, that, so you're going to feel guilty because you haven't achieved the outcomes that you're meant to achieve in your business. Um, and so therefore you're not going to go and socially connect or, or you're... You feel like you're not allowed to or deserving of socially connecting. You're just you're potentially just sabotaging yourself for the next week, because if social connections a value of yours, which I know it obviously isn't. It's obviously that's not defined, but let's just generalize. Um, you know, being with your friends and connecting, and um, I know you love food too, so I'm assuming that's involved, right? Um, <laughs> right. So if you haven't fulfilled that, right. Um, then you're most likely going to have a flat, unprioritized, unproductive week because your mind or your brain is trying to get you to go and fulfill that value in order for you to then come back to your business, right? But most people think about it backwards and think, fuck, I haven't achieved the tasks because I've been flat. But then if you have a look at the patterns of your life, it's like, oh, I'm most fulfilled after I have social connection on weekends or even during the week. And therefore, after that, I then go back and, um, work effectively and focused in my business, well, there's a pattern there showing you that, okay, I need to prioritize social connection to be effective in my business or or like effect, well, that, you know, we could say even in your health, you know, if we talk about health, but we're talking about where you're at now. Um, so, so, so that might be the value that needs to be fulfilled to, to lift your energy and allow you to reprioritize, uh, sorry, prioritize your business. Because if the social connections, and I don't know the priority order of, of your value system, right? But let's say that social connection isn't isn't higher than your business. Food, 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 social connection, business. <laughs> okay, right. So if we if we imagine those as buckets, and you've fulfilled all the food buckets, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you imagine those as buckets, and business is like your fourth value or your third value, for example, um, but you're ignoring the fact that that you're unfulfilled in social connection and food, 
of course you're going to be flat. You're getting feedback based on lack of energy that you've got values that are unfulfilled. Doesn't mean the business isn't a value. It just means that it's a lower value and your psychology and your brain is trying to get you to go back to what's highest priority. Mm. So the way that I've literally just visualized that is if you seen those like water fountains that are like buckets and like, like they fill up and they pour into the next one, they fill up and they pour into the next one. And then it kind of does this thing. And they, is that how we can view our values essentially? Like, and so if business for me is a third, my third bucket and I'm like, all I want to do is work on my business right now. And I'm trying to get water out of this bucket, but I'm not filling the top two, like the, I'm not allowing the top two to fill with water to pour into the third one. There's mm. no fucking water to pull out of it, right? Well, to some, so what you'll get is feedback in your physiology. So my procrastination, frustration, like stress, just feeling energetically flat. Um, and your mind will be potentially, you might be thinking about the things that you think you have to do, right? So it might be like, oh, fuck, I really need to work on my business. But the thing is, is that um, really you just want to spend t- some time with your friends. Yeah. So that's like, well, that's the thing that I'm, that I'm, that my mind is going to. Like I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about the weekend. I'm thinking about spending time with my friends, right? So your brain is going to be giving you feedback on what's potentially most important. Um, like I would love to be doing this right now. And then it's like, fuck, I have to work on my business. Sounds really inspiring. Right. Well, well, that's it. So, so if you imagine them, like I'll give an example out of my life. So obviously learning and human behaviors, cause this will be a story, which will make it easier. So like learning, teaching human behavior, business, all high value, <clears throat> um, so when I used to go away before I really understood this, if I go away for seven days of learning, um, if I go away for seven days of learning, um, sorry, my daughter just came in. Um, <laughs> I'd go away for seven days of learning and then I'd come back and then I would want to continue learning. Like in my head, I'd be like, oh, I'd want to continue learning. But the thing was, is that I would get frustrated. I'd sit down to learn. I couldn't retain anything. Like I was distracted. Like I kept wanting to go and spend time with Sarah and the kids. And then I get frustrated at myself because I was like, I've got work to do. But the truth was I just spent seven days, like seven days, 12 plus hours a day learning. So that value was full. It's like I was fulfilled there. I was like, I was content in that value. But because of how I thought my life had to be, instead of just prioritizing my value system based on based on my priority order and understanding, oh, this is just feedback go spend time with Sarah and the kids. Um, I would try and force myself to learn, force myself to work. Um, and then I would just like, I'd just be frustrated. I'd procrastinate on the learning. Like I said, I wouldn't retain anything. Um, but when I realized that it was just a values thing where if I just listened, if I just listened and looked where my actions were taking me, which was like to Sarah and the kids, and I just went and spent a day with them, Within a day or two days, my brain had switched back on and I'd be like, okay, cool, let's go and learn. But the longer that I pushed against, um, pushed against like that priority of Sarah and the kids and the family, the longer I pushed against that, the the more I'd burn out, the more frustrated I get, the more pissed off I'd get, you know, um, the more I'd think that, oh, well, maybe I'm just not interested in these things anymore. And so then there'd be all these thoughts and ideas that had come up. But the truth was, it was just go and spend fucking time with them because that's what your values are trying to dictate to you. 
So if you imagine that, that for me, the value of learning and, and, and teaching and the human behavior element up top and then family is second, it was like this thing's like, like puffing out, like it's blowing out. It's like totally full. But my lower value because I'd been away was empty. And so I was like, okay, my life is trying to get me to prioritize that. And all it took was, okay, just going, okay, well, this is my priority order. This is where I need to prioritize right now. Go and do that for the 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 day or whatever. And then, like I said, brain, brain switches back on. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking about, I don't know, like, you know, what was I thinking about last night? Example would be like, you know, like all of a sudden then I start thinking about angular momentum in psychology or something, you know, just some, and then it's like, oh, I'm back on, yeah, you know, rather than like thinking about Sarah and the kids and things. So there was a feedback mechanism in my physiology and psychology trying to lead me back to that or lead me to that and then lead me back to my value system. So these things that we're often feeling guilt and shame around, and it's funny because then we feel guilt and shame for feeling guilty and shameful. We could actually just take a step back and ask ourselves, is this really important to us? For you, for example, is it really important for me to spend a day with Sarah and the kids? Well, yeah, it is. Mm. Yeah. Guilt and shame. Um, and I'm, I don't know if this is a pattern for your client base. Um, potentially could be. But if you look at guilt, guilt will often show up when we are prioritizing uh, potentially what's most important to us. But we have the outer voices telling us, and when I say outer voices, not someone standing there. What I mean by outer voices is that, all right, cool. <laughs> so when I say uh, outer voice, I don't mean that someone's physically standing there. What I mean by that is like the injected um, values, beliefs, norms of, um, say, your authority figures growing up or just people that you look up around, to you around you. So, um, so when I say, so, so when you feel the guilt, it's like you could be spending time with your children and you're in your head, you're or sorry, in your physiology, you're feeling guilty. But at the same time, you're like, shit, I'm letting down my, um, like I'm letting down my work colleagues. Right. And so you feel guilty because you're letting down, because you think you're letting down your work colleagues. But actually the thing that's more important to you is spending time with your kids. Right. So a lot of people distort what they think is most most important to them based on what outer norm, oh, sorry, like those outer voices or those, well, they're internal, but those outer voices say is important. Yeah. Right. So it's like, well, you think that at this point in time, that's not to say that, let's say, for example, that career isn't important to you, but let's say um, that in that situation that, um, you know, you want to spend time with your kids, but, and you are spending time with your kids, but you know there's a deadline potentially in business, um, which you're dedicated to achieving. Uh, but at that moment, you're spending time with the kids, but you're feeling guilty because you're not working towards that deadline because of what other people may think or the opinions of them if they knew you were spending time with your kids or um, um, the thought that, you know, like th this that you're letting the other down. way too though, right? So if you were feeling guilty because you were doing the deadline and not spending time with your kids, but the deadline was the priority, like your value. Yeah. So a lot of mothers go through that. I was going to say, I've got like my, a lot of my um, audience are mums 
creative so they love photography or art or you know they have got their own little passion products and there's a often the guilt comes up when they yeah so like they're not prioritizing their their so they'll be doing the thing that they love which is like so let's say photography and so they might be out with a client but they feel guilty because they think they should be at home with their kids and spending time with them yeah right and so but the truth is is that the the value of the photography is is more important and that doesn't mean that you don't love your kids. That just means that intrinsically, that's what's most important to you. That's what fulfills you. That's what, what makes you content. Um, and that's the thing that you'll prioritize. So I have actually um, in the class, in the past, sorry, not in the class, in the past, I had a had a client who was like that. I've actually had many clients who were like that. Um, mothers who feel guilty because they prioritize work or business or um you know, just what they love to do, whether that's even going to the gym, like feeling guilty for going to the gym because they've left their their kid at home um, or their kid at daycare or something when they think they should be the one looking after them. Um, when when the reality is, is that they're normally a better parent when they've done those things that fill their cup. Yeah. Right? So, so the downside of if you prioritise the things based on your guilt, you live in frustration, you live in resentment, you're also less tolerant. So let's say as a mother, um, you haven't prioritized yourself and the people will be able to relate to the, relate to this, like prioritize the things that you love. You have less ca- capacity to deal with the challenges of the day-to-day of even just being a parent. That's why when you come home from, let's say, doing the thing that you love, let's say you're a photographer um, and you come home from photography and you've had a fulfilling day and then your child or your kids are you know, let's say that they're, you know, it's it's they're a little bit erratic and a little bit emotional after school. Your capacity and tolerance and ability to um, problem solve and to be present with them is a lot higher because you're fulfilled. If you are unfulfilled and you'd spent the day, you know, running around doing all the things that aren't really fulfilling for you. Let's say, for example, you decided to stay home, or you were just stay at home. Um, and you, you didn't really want to stay at home and you just did like all the laundry and you're like looking after the household um, and then the kids get home and they're and they're ratty and then you're like frustrated and pissed off because you actually feel like you need some sort of relief and you feel like you need some sort of support. And the reason why you feel like you need the relief and support is because you're unfulfilled. And so then you project those, you project that onto your partner who should come in and save you um, in the sense of like, he should be supporting me more. But the truth is, is that, that reflection of you feeling like you need more support and relief is because you're not prioritizing yourself and supporting yourself. Right. And so then you won't be able to deal with the emotional volatilities of the kids. There'll probably be frustration and, you know, um, discontent in your intimate relationship because you've got un either unspoken or unrealistic expectations on who your partner should be or what they should do based on how you feel. So, so it does go the other way as well. So if you follow the guilt, you'll watch your life erode. Oh. Mm. Well, think if you, it's like when you say, so people who have a guilt pattern often can't say no. Right. But then when they say yes to things, they get in their head, they're conflicted. They're like, I don't want to do this fucking thing. Like, I don't, I don't want to be there. I don't want to go. And so, so they've said yes in the moment, but then they're conflicted about actually doing it because they've said yes because they'd feel guilty if they said no to do it. Um, and so then they live their life based on 
what's important to everybody else rather than what's important to them. And their life's just consistent frustration. And then they show up and then they do things because they think that they should do that. And that's what you have to do. And, and, you know, they're worried about the opinions of others if they don't do it. And so your life literally becomes a, a reflection of everybody else's life and everybody else's decisions um, rather than what you want your life to look like based on your values. So, so it's like, well, if, if you can't say no to things, um, one, your yes has no value, just so you know. So your yes has no value. That's why people who say yes all the time get walked all over because it's a lack of respect to yourself um, if, you, if all you do is say yes. Um, now, I'm not saying that's all the time I'm talking about in this pattern, right? So so I'm not saying that's a generally like a it's whenever, you, like if you say yes, like if you're saying yes to things that are fulfilling and to your value system, you're not going to go through these uh, patterns but if you're saying yes because of generally not saying if guilt. you're only saying yes to the things that bring you value you're not saying yes all the time no you're not because there'll be people who ask you to do things that aren't a priority to you and you'll say no right so um the guilt the guilt is a big one it's guilt. a big feedback yep so the challenge is dealing the challenge is dealing with the guilt for most people. They would rather um not feel guilty but feel frustrated. That's so unconscious though. Like it's not a Yeah, no one chooses to feel frustrated, but the truth no is, is that... to feel guilty either, but like it's such a I only had a conversation with someone last night about um, an internal battle in the mind. Um, and like you can recognize it all you want, but how do you go from hearing the, or following the path of guilt? Do, like so in your words, following that path of guilt that's going to lead to erosion to actually witnessing what's happening mm. and actioning out of it. How do you how do you do that? Yeah. Well, well, the first step is awareness. Like, do you actually know what's driving your like what what's actually driving the guilt? Right. So a good example of that is, you know, what, what we said before, like the, the mother who um has who loves their photography, but then is feeling guilty because they're spending time away from their kids. Or right. So it's like, well, the driver is this the separation. Um, so like first step is like, what, like what's driving it? Like what's the pattern behind it? For some people it's, um, it can be many things, you know, like there's many things it could be, um, you feel guilty, but the, there's also could be a fear or resentment on the other side of that, which is like, well, I'm afraid of what other people will think of me if I just follow my path or if I say no, right. Um, it could also be a social norm. It's like, I should say yes to everything for my family. Now, maybe your mum's been someone who's a yes person. Maybe your dad was a, a yes person. Maybe you were just surrounded by yes people. Maybe you're, maybe the attachment style of your family was like conflict avoidant, potentially. So therefore, it was always yes, even though everyone internally was bubbling all the freaking time, but no one ever brought it up until someone blew their stack. And then, you know, then it got suppressed again and wasn't even spoken about. So, so um, coming back 
Sorry, what was your question again? <laughs> <laughs> just was... ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think I, I just want you to, um, if you can just share it with me again. So the, like the conversation I had last night was with a, with someone who was in this, her words, the real battle in the mind. Like yeah. she can see that there was a really negative thought pattern that's happening there. There's guilt over the fact that the negative thought pattern is there. But what's the net, like, how do we, once we can see and observe it, what next? Mm, so. Because it, it almost gets louder then when we hear it. We're like, oh, this is happening again. Yeah. So th- there's two dynamics to that. So if we go, I'll go on my first train. Of th- <laughs> right, let me just write it down. So I stay on track. Thanks. Thanks, guys, for your patience. Um, thinking, feeling. I wasn't elevated music on while well, Justin's. Da, 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 da. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to simplify this. If she's got a thought pattern, right, whatever that thinking pattern is, um, or a thought or a perception, whatever that thinking is, is driving the feeling of guilt, right? Then whatever she's, whatever the feeling of guilt, um, she will create an action out of that feeling of guilt, right? And so most people's actions from guilt, for example, um, will be some sort of compensation for whatever they feel guilty about. So let's say, for example, you know, you the, the mother who feels guilty for working all the time, the compensation might be that she spends all her money on her kids to try and make up for it. And she doesn't even know. That's the unconscious compensation, right? So so the most often the feeling of guilt will drive a compensation action, which then ends in a specific result. And that result normally reinforces the thought, right? So your thoughts will then, um, or the, um, but sorry, there's one part I missed. So at the top of this, there's the circumstance, which is just neutral. So the fact on that situation would be my child is at home with the babysitter. That's just a fact. Then your thought is I should be at home with them um, because I'm their mother. And then the feeling is I feel guilty. And then the action from that guilt is whatever it is, right? Some sort of compensation action. So that's like being aware of the pattern, right? Then, so let's do that again. So what the thing you just did was you identified the fact, so to speak. Yes. You identified the thought, the, thought. the feeling. Yep. And then there was an action. There's an action. Yes. And then there's a result yeah. as well. Because the result, there's the action, but then there's a result. Like what, the result is what you think. As all like is is the result still about you, not external. Mm-hmm. Right. So the result of let's say, um, in that moment of her feeling guilty, the result is potentially um, you're distracted and thinking about the kids, which then reinforces the thought that I should be at home with with them, right? So there's so it's a loop. So you end up with a loop. Um, and that's just quickly off the top of my head. So the the result will always reinforce the thought. Um, now. So like that's like a like that's awareness like that's understanding yourself. It's like there's a circumstance that leads to the perception that leads to the feeling of the perception and thought, 
leads to the feeling, leads to the action, leads to the result, which reinforces a thought, and then you just go through a shit loop. So one of the simplest ways um, to, like, if we look at awareness, like, that's self-awareness. Like, I look at that, and that's, like, self-awareness. Like, if you look at the layers that you have um, within yourself to be self-aware, you can have awareness of your results. You can have, Some people only have awareness of results. Some people have awareness of how they act. Some people have awareness of how they feel. Some people have awareness of how they think. Um, most people don't have a recognition of the actual fact, though, because they create a story, right? So they might say in that situation, they might think the fact of the matter is is that they're a bad parent because their child's at home. No, that's subjective. You think you're a bad parent because of your belief systems around around who you should be as a parent, not who you actually are. So then obviously that drives guilt, you erode your self-worth, you feel like a bad parent, you create stories, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so there's that part of the awareness. Now, the question about what you should do with that awareness is like that's there's so many answers to that. Yeah, but I think, I mean, I think what order- we've just done in really that little five step breakdown of like fact, yeah, thought, feeling like I think that's a really cool tool to go to just be an observer in all of what's happening. And when we hear those thoughts, when we really hear those thoughts of self-destruction and ero- I love this word erosion. It's so yeah, palpable. Um, but that um, degradingness, we can really go, okay, what's happening here. And I think just identifying those things really allows us to play a role in that, in developing on those thoughts. Yeah. Because it's, it's, that's like taking accountability and having responsibility for you. It's not the fact on the outside. It's how you're perceiving the fact that's driving the way you're thinking, that then's driving the way that you're feeling, which is then driving the way that you're acting, which is then driving your results. And so when you realize that, hmm. that, that you actually have that level of power, that creates account- accountability and empowerment for yourself because you have the capacity to do something about that, Right. You don't have, you don't until you, we talk about self-awareness, like that's mm-hmm. really important. And this is what I was saying. Like when you start to really hear those thoughts of shame and guilt, you're like, fuck, it's so loud all of a sudden. Cause you're like, you really realize what's happening, but you don't know what to do with it. Mm. So then going, okay, cool. That that's where this step comes in. That's that next step of self-awareness. And mm. the minute I think we become self-aware of the problem, we have taken ownership, like, oh, we don't want to do this anymore. How do I change what's happening? And mm. the loop between that, so the loop between self-development and awareness. Mm. So there's there's like so many different ways that we could we could look at this or what, you know, the possibilities of what you could do. But if we just looked at that tool, because I know for a fact that if you've got Say, for example, if in this situation, it'd be like, well, okay, I'd just ask the question. It's like, well, how specifically is it a benefit to your children that they're, you know, whatever the fact was? Do you know what's really funny? I was actually going to go here and I was going to be like, because I fucking hate when people ask, yeah, but what's the benefit? And all you're feeling is the the weight of the feeling. Mm. Like, there's no fucking benefit here. There's Mm. like, that you've just hit the brick wall. But I feel like when you break those steps down, you become 
I don't know if it's objective or subjective. I always get them mixed up. Subjective in well, the event. So you can then ask, well, what's the benefit in this? Yeah, well, it's, it's you become more, I don't even know if it's a, a, objective is the right word because it's still a distortion mm. because you're only seeing half the picture. Because if you feel guilty, you perceive there's more drawbacks to your kids than benefits to them of you being away. Yeah, but when you're in it, like when you're in that moment of trigger, like, fuck, I'm a bad mom. Fuck, I'm a bad business person. Fuck, I really shouldn't be socializing. And Mm. you're like, what's the benefit of you going and socializing? All I can hear and see right now is that I shouldn't be. Yeah. So if we can go, right, the fact is you have social engagements this weekend. You're feeling like, I'm feeling like I shouldn't be socializing. I'm feeling guilt. Like, if, and then, okay, cool. You've taken the charge down enough to then ask a question, what's the other side of this? Mm, Because, well, you know, if we talk about that, it's because you've been seen and heard. Every human being wants to be seen and heard. They don't want to have their story devalidated or how they feel devalidated. Many of us probably grew up in households where our emotions, you know, weren't valid. No, not at all. You know, um, and, you know, there's, again, benefits and drawbacks to that. But so it's because that you feel seen and heard and feel safe. Therefore, you're willing to open up to go there. So that little tool that we just talked about really well, allows seeing yourself. Yeah, yeah. We, like, we are granting that for ourselves. Like how yeah. fucking powerful is that? Yeah, super powerful. Mm. Right. So, so you can create the awareness from that. And then the change element, well, there's many ways. Right. But But most people, I think the challenge is most people, like you spoke about before, they feel shame and guilt, but then they want to resist it. And so anything we resist persists, right? So you try to resist an emotion, it gets stronger. Do you know my throat closes up? Every time I hear that, it makes my throat close. Yeah. Well, it's true. Like anything you resist persists. It's like if you, um, if you try to push against an emotion because that's what you're doing. It's like you're trying to resist the fact that it's there. It amplifies to let you know. Like it amplifies in power. You're feeding it energy, right? And so most people have a pattern um, in some way, shape, or form to some sort of emotion where they resist it. Now, the diff- now there's resistance. Um, there's allowing to feel it. And then there's also like being ran by it. So they're, they're, they're different things. It's like you can be ran by an emotion, which just causes you to behave erratically. That again, isn't allowing it. That's being ran by it. Allowing it is like witnessing it, like being in it, feeling it, um, taking. And I think I spoke about this on the last podcast, actually, the process of like um, identifying what it feels like, although like what it feels like, what it sounds like, et cetera, in your body in order for you to actually be aware of it. And what that does is it like creates awareness in your body and within your psychology of what that emotion feels like. And when you do that, it actually dissipates away. Whereas you can also be ran by an emotion, for example, anger, and you like blow your stack all the time because anger actually runs you instead of you using anger as a tool for yourself when you need to. Um, and then you have resistance, right? Now, if you look at 
I, I, like if you think about resistance, so resistance and being ran by an emotion are op- of usually, I don't even know what I was going to say then. <laughs> they're usually, uh, oh, yes, I was like, if you look at a pattern, they're like opposite to each other, right? So if you think of a spring, the more you try and resist, well, the more you push down on a spring and you imagine the emotions of spring, the more you try and push down on it, the more force and energy you create within it. And what happens? And then all of a sudden, you're like, holy shit, like this emotion just blew up. I.e., like, say you can do this with guilt. So let's say you push down your guilt and then you might feel, you, you might feel angry at yourself. So you blow, so you like, you know, beat yourself up, get super angry with yourself, think you're a piece of shit, or you push your guilt down until the point where it's like, oh my God, I just need to give everything to my kids. And then all of a sudden, all this hard work you've done, you've gone out, you've gone on a freaking holiday, you've spent $10,000, you've done this, that and the other. And then you're like, holy shit. And like your guilt blew up, right? And then you recognize, holy shit, like my guilt just kind of exploded. I don't want to feel guilt because it's just sabotaged all these other things. Or I won't say the guilt has, but then your perception's like, oh, it's sabotaged all these things. And so then you try to like push it back down again. If you use anger, it's like, well, it's like, well, I'm going to suppress my anger, suppress my anger, suppress my anger. And then boom. And then what you're thinking, fuck, anger's bad. Or fuck, guilt's bad. And then what do you do? You try and suppress it again. So the the suppression and the resistance to an emotion often then culminates in the expression of it to the extreme. So so the patterns obviously like they'll 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 be like a pattern or a cycle. So the more you try to suppress, the more the greater the desire of that emotion to be expressed and it will, will run you. And you'll make, and it'll run your decision making, right? You won't even be conscious about it. It's like you think about when you've been really, really angry, angry, um, and you've done stuff because the anger's just taken over. It's like that's some like fuck. That was me, but I literally just witnessed myself do all that, and I had literally no control. Right, the emotion was running me. I wasn't running it; it was running me. I had no capacity to control it. So. So becoming aware and allowing yourself to feel it can help to dissipate it in the moment and also allows you to validate how you feel, right? Then to shift. So if we talk about shifting the perception, the thought, et cetera, then we'd go into like things like, you know, like looking at, you know, linking it to your values, whatever it is, or looking at the benefits of that. So in that example, it might be like how the kids spending time with the the sitter benefits them how the kids spending time away from you benefits them. So therefore how you working, for example, like how your career is of service to your kids, right? So but the, the challenging thing is it'll be like nuance. So it might be the time away from them, which you'll feel guilty about. Not necessarily, you might go, oh, I see how my career allows them to go to school, you know, like this school or, um, you know, um, I can teach them creative things, which we connect on. You know, they love to watch, like we connect when I'm going through and like editing the photos. So it's like, oh, I can see all these, but it might be like the separation part. So you need to define the nuanced elements, which will be in your thinking because your thinking will be giving you feedback on what specifically the nuanced element of it is. Um, so, so you know, that's a tool that can help change. There's also the element of, um, you know, you, you feel it, but then there's also the element of... Um, changing the thought on that fact which you can't flip it because most people will try and flip it and they'll go oh it doesn't fucking work so it's like um say if your thought is i'm a bad parent because um 
because I'm away from my kids and you shift that to I'm a parent, um, I'm a parent away from my kids to support my kids, that's true. You believe that, right? And so even in your body, you'll feel a shift. You'll be like, oh, yeah, that's true. And so that the way that you're thinking will shift based on the fact. So there's like little reframes that you can do like that. But if you tell yourself, I'm a, I'm a good parent because I'm away, but you don't truly believe that. So it's like, okay, it's like it's thought, it's thought shifting. It's too um, big to jump either. Like you can't go from a really yucky, deep, dark thought to a really sunshine and daisies and glitter bomb positivity. Like it's it's too far. No, you can't. And but that's what people attempt to do yeah. because they're addicted to the positive and they don't want the negative. And so they try to create that. Yeah. And so they try to jump. So it's like, I don't want to feel guilty. I want to feel, I don't know, happy, or I don't want to think these thoughts. I need to think the opposite. But your brain, um, there's a gating mechanism in it called the super cosmic nucleus, which basically will go, bump, oh, that's bullshit. Won't let it feed into the body. Right? You tell yourself that isn't that you that isn't true. You tell yourself something that isn't true, you'll get a bum owl. Like so you feel. yeah, we don't want positive, we don't want negative, we want true. Yeah, correct. Because it's like another example of that similar situation, let's use um health. Let's say that you um the story that or the thought that you tell yourself about your body is that um let's say the fact is that you're um that you're overweight right that's a fact it's like okay you need to lose 10 kilos to be to be healthy as an example that's a fact but the the thought that you have about that is like i have a disgusting body right and so then you feel terrible you know and there's there's many um results for for thinking that way um many actions from thinking that way you know that might be the thing that actually drives you to overeat if you've got an overeating pattern so you're just reinforcing but if you just change that to I have a body, well, that's true. Or you change that to I have um I have a, a body that's changing, well, that's true. And then eventually um you think in that way, um eventually you'll get to a point where you'll have changed your body. And so your thinking and your belief systems and your and the 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 way that you feel about yourself will shift. My whole body, when you just said I have a body that change, is changing, my whole body just kind of just went mellow. Mm. Yeah. And I think, and when we, when Justin and I are talking about a statement that is true, feeling it in your body, that's kind of what you should feel. You should feel this no resistance, no energy even. It's just like a calmness yeah like you'll just you'll just you'll just it's like a grounding it's like you know that yeah you know so um but sometimes too like if i just sometimes that original tool of witnessing it is enough to to for you to go oh okay i don't need to focus on this now yeah you know so um and each each one of these ways to shift things you know like it's it's you know it's definitely not a podcast episode to teach and get people proficient in it but um th- there's many ways to do it so yeah. but i think you know like yeah th- there's many ways to to shift those things but i all but i truly believe that that if you're not feeling um let's say for example if you're not 
feeling it, you're never going to really heal it. So most people are trying to avoid their feeling, which means they're never really going to heal it. That's really an interesting topic to hit on because something that I'm really trying to teach within her advantage at the moment is the action behind the thought. And what I mean by that is, you know, we might hear a quote quote that really resonates with us or even on the podcast with Justin and I talking, you might go, oh, yeah, that hit home. And rather than keeping that thing as an idea, actually then implementing the actions that need to be done in order to change the original thought. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Do you think you can speak on that? Like the actual, the, I'm nervous to go here because I fucking hate taking action and Justin's going to hold a big mirror up in my face. I'm scared. (laughs) Um, But yeah, being able to, when we really resonate with something, go, okay, what's the action that I need to do to implement this to make lasting change? Mm. Well, I think you've you've just given the answer. It's the question, right? So. There's statements and questions. Most people go through life making statements, which means they close off. So if you imagine, you imagine every time you make a statement, you're building a brick wall around you, right? So I often, I often imagine it's like every statement that I make, I'm just stacking up bricks around me and I'm closing off the path. You're not open when you create a statement, you're closed. So if you get an idea, And then you don't ask a question in regards to like literally the question you asked, how can I take this idea and implement it into my life? And then if you don't create a plan on how to actually do that, you're not going to really do anything with it. You might have an idea, you might have a thought, you might gain information, but are you applying it? So, so if you would create a statement or you don't ask a question about it, like, so a statement could be, Oh, that's a great idea. That's a statement. Like most people think, Oh, well, what's wrong with that thought? There's nothing wrong with the thought. But if you go, oh, well, that's a great idea. That's the end of it. What do you do with that? Cool. You just go on with your life. Yeah. Whereas if you go, if you go, okay, um, okay, that's a great idea. What can I actually do with that idea? How can I apply that into my life? What does that look like? Which areas of my life could that be useful? Can I put it in here? And you start to question all of a sudden your brain starts to search for the answers for that in order for you to get the outcome that you're looking for. So if you think about questions, questions are open. So they open our mind to search for answers, right? Whereas if we use statements, we just close off. So so I think it's just about understanding the questions to ask that are going to empower you to potentially apply that into your life. Mm-hmm. And right? maybe if you like find a quote or hear something that really resonates understanding that there is a question to be asked there yeah well why well you could even ask why does it resonate as even as the first question it's like why does this thing resonate now it could be because it's the information that you actually need right now for where you are in life it could be because um you just got like there's a part of you that that's totally freaking true and you hadn't, and unconsciously you knew, but it just brought it in a conscious awareness. And you're like, holy shit, that's me. Right. And I know, I've, you know, like I've been through that many times. And so it's like, oh shit, there's some awareness. Right. Um, 
it could, you know, like there's many reasons why, why that happens. Um, you know, if we get a bit, um, I guess I'm not going to say woo woo, but I, you know, like if your intuition and your psychology are working together to reveal your path in life. And so often the things that resonate with you are because of those reasons. Like, what are you here to do? What's your mission? What's your vision? Um, and so it's all, I believe it's wise to take note of those things and then to question those things. Um, so really it just comes down to your capacity to question. Now, the other, the, the other part I, I like to bring into this, I guess, while we're on this track is if you're listening to a podcast, what's the purpose as an example, or if you're reading a book, why are you reading the book? Because if you know why you're reading the book, then when those things pop up, you'll know that you'll know how to question it or you'll know what to do with that information. Mm-hmm. If you're just reading a book because Steve-O from down the road said, hey, this book's good. You should read this. It's on money. And then you're like, oh, yeah, okay, great. I'll read it. But you haven't even thought about the purpose behind you reading it um, and how y- you would like to apply the information that you're gathering then you're going to do nothing, <clears throat> excuse me, you're going to do nothing with it. You're literally going to do nothing with it. Many people many people read books and do nothing with it. Um, and look, they, they, and I recognize this because this is myself. So don't like, don't think yeah. that I'm, you know, these are patterns that I've been through. So, you know, I recognized a while back or maybe four or five years ago now, I was getting really frustrated with myself. So it's like, I'm learning all this stuff and I'm not doing anything with it. Like, what's going on? Like, I was like, what's the point of me learning if I perceive that nothing is changing to some degree, right? It was like, well, well, I'd been taught by all these gurus, you know, like, read the books, read the books, read the books, you'll change your life. Okay, yeah, no, I've got all this information, but it didn't change shit. I was literally a walking bookshelf. That's right? kind of cool, like, but not Well, it is kind of cool. Like, I don't mind. I don't mind. But at the same time, it's like, well... I was I was learning because I I wanted to grow, <clears throat> but I was also learning um, or reading books and things without a purpose, right? So while that information, uh, because of my value system, like I can retain the information, but it wasn't like manifesting into the results that I wanted in life because I didn't really have a purpose for what I was reading. Okay, on that note. Yes. <laughs> So Justin and I actually had no idea what we were going to talk about on this podcast. And so I said to my Her Advantage women, I'm interviewing Justin, give me some questions. And I got some really cool questions. Mm -hmm. One of them happens to be on reading. On reading, does it? Well, yeah, reading books. Oh, yeah. It's funny that you went on this tangent. Well, it's perfect because there was one on perfection. I'm going to do this. So if you're watching. (laughs) I have sent Justin the questions, yeah. Yeah, so if you're watching, uh, ladies, uh, whoever sent me the perfection question, just understand something right now. Watch this, all right? (laughs) Can you see it? Yes. Okay, so before we got on the podcast, I was going to cut my hair. So I got, uh, I thought I charged it. I thought I charged my uh, shaver on Monday. Turns out I didn't switch it on, and I didn't know that. And then my wife came and cleaned up the bathroom. And so about 40 minutes before the podcast, I'm like, yeah, I definitely need to, to trim up. Burr, burr, burr. Stopped. 
right? And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I've got a question about perfection. If Imagine if I couldn't get all my hair cut. It's like, well, would that be a reason not to go on the podcast? Because it wasn't perfect? Because I wasn't perfect and showing up how I wanted to be? No, I saw this as beautiful because it's like, well, the truth is, is that we've always got a part of us or a part of something that isn't perfect. We're always hiding a part of us. (laughs) Yeah, we're always hiding a part of us. You wouldn't have no idea that my hair was not cut at the back if I didn't share that with you, right? It's not perfect. It's, It's imperfect, but we're all imperfect. So... Anyway, I can talk, we could go on to perfection, but I'll, I'll come back to the reading, but I just wanted to show the hair to start with, so. Well, it's just, it's one and the same question. So um, the first question she asked was, how do we release perfectionism and just be? Mm-hmm. And then the second part of it is, how do we put down some of our plates? So I talk about, you know, juggling all your plates and sometimes when you really need to focus on one thing, we have to put a plate down to really put our energy into one thing. All right, so let's go. Let's do the first question first. Because so so ask me the perfection one again. Sorry. How do we release perfectionism and just be? Mm, Okay. It's a good question because perfectionism in itself can often have fears, and so like fears associated to them. Well, what uh, is perfectionism, it, right? Like, what is perfect? Well, what is, well, there is, well, perfect, who desi- there is no who, perfection. Who de- who decides perfect? Yeah, it's like there is no perfection. So you, so if we look at the, the pattern of perfection, then this is, this is, there's many different drives as why you may want things to be perfect, whether that's the fear of the opinion of others, right? So it could be the fear of opinion of others. It could be the fear of getting things wrong. Let's say that you're punished as a child for not, or or growing up of when you didn't get things right and things always had to be, uh, sorry, when you got things wrong and things always had to be right. So, you know, perfection could be driven by that. Um, perfection could be driven by the fact that, um, you know, you've been criticised when you were, were younger um, for, you know, many different reasons. So it depends where the perfectionism is showing up. So perfectionism in your business is uh, is a perfectionism in your health is a perfectionism in your um, relationship, right? So it depends on what you and how the perfectionism shows up. There's this idea that that um, how you do one thing is how you do everything. I I, I kind of don't fully subscribe to that because I think that people are different in their values compared to their low values um, in the way that they show up. So perfectionism to release it you can have many different patterns behind it that probably need to be addressed in order to do so, right? But I like to think of uh, perfectionism in this way, which is um, most people want to get something perfect. So if I think about perfectionism in a generalization, I don't know your specific example, but most people want to get things perfect before other people see them, right? So um, if, an example of that would be um, having, like, building the perfect. Like, my brain keeps going to business, dude. I'm just trying to think about health. Um, body. Let's just say the perfect body. Okay, yeah, okay. So let's say perfectionism on the perfect body, right? <clears throat> uh, and you're attempting to create the the perfect body, right? And 
part of the reason why you want the perfect body is because obviously you potentially have inner judgments on what your body looks like compared to some idealism that you perceive is the perfect body. Um, and then the second part of that potentially is what other people think about you, right? So, so you may have a fear of the opinions of others and what they think about you and your body, right? So you work hard. Or, well, either you work hard or you don't because perfectionism can go both ways. Some people don't do anything because of perfectionism, so they don't start. But some people also then go the other way and they work their fucking ass off, right? So perfectionism isn't a good or bad thing. Um, it can be a driver, but it can also be an inhibitor. It depends on how you use it, and it depends on the potentially the insecurity that's sitting behind the perfectionism, right? Um, so let's say, coming back, so you work your ass off, to build this or create what you perceive to be the perfect body. But it doesn't matter how close you get to that, you always find more imperfect things about yourself, right? Or what you label as imperfect, right? What, what you think is imperfect. Um, because um, the reality is, is that when you try to create something that's perfect, you are always, and this is an always, you are always going to get feedback that suggests that it's imperfect. And so no matter what you do, you're never going to get to perfection because the outer world is going to consistently give you feedback that it's imperfect, right? So I like to, so the analogy I like to use is if you created a plant and you grew it in a hydroponics um set up so indoors in the perfect environment um and then you plant it out in the out on your out in your garden and let's say that this plant has never met wind it's never actually seen real sunlight it's never felt torrential rain it's had the perfect environment like perfect environment guess what happens when it goes into the real world it gets met with all the challenges of reality and so all of a sudden what was perfect in that situation is imperfect in this one so so the truth is, is that your perfectionism is also balanced by the imperfection because you wouldn't be driving for perfection if you didn't see imperfection, right? It's just how you use that. Are you using the perfectionism to inhibit your life and to not actually drive forward and to not actually put yourself out there? Or are you using it to actually better your life? So so I don't think we necessarily have to let let go of it it's just like, how are you using it? Well, so then the, the last bit of that is to just be. Well, to just be is to to realize that you that that you're imperfect and perfect at the same time. Your imperfection is what makes you perfect. Think about it this way: if we're going to talk about body, right? Um, <laughs> just, just oh, it just gives me goosebumps because because it's something that I've been witnessing on my rides. <clears throat> on my bike rides um, in the morning. Are you a mammal? No, 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 no. At the gym, dude. At the gym. Okay. okay. Um, so <laughs> I watch, so when I'm riding, I watch this uh, footage of different uh, nature walks, right? And what's really interesting to me is that what makes nature perfect is the contrast. It's perfectly imperfect. It's the contrast, right? So you don't have beauty without contrast. You don't have perfection without imperfection. 
It's the contrasting that creates the perfection, which means there's imperfection there. If you look at nature, if you just were at, if you were in a lake and all you saw was the water and all you could see was water and you had no contrast of any other thing around it and it was just this blue water or just water, you may not think that that's beautiful until you see it in contrast with the mountains behind it or with the, with the, with the forest behind it. It's like walking on a nature's path, like walking on a path through nature is beautiful because you've got the contrast of the path and the contrast of the nature, right? But have you ever tried to walk through fucking thick scrubland without a path and you've got to hack through it and it's all the same and there's no contrast? While it might, you know, like you might be like, oh, this is great. Do you really see the true beauty? No, you don't. It's like why opposing colors create beauty. So it's like there's perfection and imperfection. Everything's perfect and imperfect, right? I have a, um, a woman on my social media that does this really, really well. She's an artist and yeah. she'll often take a photo of a landscape and it'll be this really pretty sunrise or some clouds or something. And then in the next slide, she'll have like squiggled all over it to like show the imperfect lines or the like patterns that it like the basically what she sees on it and it's just these like really rough lines and it's so cool to be able to exactly what you're talking about witness that contrast Mm. yeah so to let go of it you've just got to be aware of both like and and i don't want to say let go of it it's like you've got to be aware that that the imperfection and the perfection are there together they're they're contrasted Yep. You know, it's like what makes something beautiful is the let's let's say for example, like the path. Well, the path isn't necessarily beautiful, but the contrast of the path to the to the um the the forest or nature actually is what the thing that makes it beautiful. And that's a right? question that we could ask ourselves, like define for ourselves what defines beauty. Yeah, and what defines perfect. Yeah. Too. Like what defines perfect? What defines imperfect? If you've got a one-sided fantasy, and so when I say fantasy or not even fantasy, let's say one-sided unrealistic expectation because you can't have one side, which is perfect without imperfect, right? You can't have perfect without imperfect. There's imperfections in everything. Um, um, If you can't define that and if you've created an unrealistic expectation, for example, to have no fat on your body, like it's 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 unrealistic. That's also not right? a goal. Like I don't think if we go, but I'm what, talking about what's their idea of perfection. That's what I'm saying, though. Like yeah. Those to have, it's to look like we have no fat on our body. They mm. wouldn't. The goal wouldn't actually be to have no fat on our body. Mm. Oh yeah, if we're talking, yeah, like in the body image, yeah, correct, yeah, yeah. So it's like, well. But then, all you if you you've got to witness the, the them together, like what's perfect and what's imperfect. Yeah. You know, so I think to just let it go or to let it be, it's like well, the integration of both to realize that you're perfect and imperfect together. Because if you were, let's say, for example, if perfect, because perfect is one sided, right? It's like perfect is like a singular point, right? It's a singular point. It's like, well, if you have a singular point, then um, and the perfect is a singular point that you're trying to get to, well, then you have no contrast in life and you don't have a life. You have no drive. Your contrasts are what give you drive in life. 
So if you're if part of the thing for you and you had a void growing up of things being imperfect, as an example, well, you're going to have a void. You're going to potentially have a drive to make things a specific way. Well, the imperfection actually drives you, right? So if you're trying to get things perfect, I know that you have a perception of imperfection somewhere, right? Which, which, yeah. And so, you know, there's, I think that there's definitely ways that you can work through those patterns, but you've got to get to the point where you realize that it's, that it's inescapable. You know, it's as like Buddha said, it's like the, the seeking of that which is unattainable and the avoidance of that which is unavoidable is a source of human suffering. You suffer because you seek perfection without imperfection. You're trying to avoid imperfection and get to perfection and that's why you suffer instead of realizing that they're both there and they'll always both be there. Have a look at what drives evolution because someone must perceive that there's something imperfect and we can label it as imperfect. It could be different, many different reasons but there's something that isn't matching their ideal. And so therefore they go and create a solution and change something. And then all of a sudden the next person comes along and goes, holy shit, there's another problem here. This isn't per this isn't perfect. Then they create another solution and drive to um, solve that issue. So even in your life, let's say for me, let's use me, value human human behavior, um, love applying the work on myself, very introspective. I, I could judge myself as being imperfect, but what I know is that the fact that I perceive those gaps in myself um, is the thing that then drives me, which makes those imperfections perfect because it's leading me to my value system. Whereas in, whereas in the past, um, perfect, like perfectionism would have stopped me from putting myself out there or doing specific things or, um, you know, and, and to some degree being a perfect person was that was also the thing that I thought I could get to, which is not real. I am the perfect person in my imperfections. Yes, you are, Justin. <laughs> yeah, and, you know. So, so um, they're the same. It's it's you need both to have to have one. Cool. It's a really lightning experience when you realize that when you go, oh, there is two sides, and it doesn't mean you're not going to get triggered or challenged or push towards striving for perfection still. Did it freeze again? Mm. No, you're still good. Okay, cool. Yeah, so, like, if we say even the idea of wedding goal perfection, let's dive, can I dive into that just quickly? We're going to have to wrap up real quick, though. All right, cool. So even the idea of wedding goal perfection will lead you to suffer because you think, because you think well, because you think your life is going to be better when you when when where, if you can let go of being like the idea of perfection, and so <clears throat> you perceive that there's suffering in the drive for things to be perfect, mm-hmm. because you you want to let go of that. So there's there's suffering in that. So the the idea that you can get rid of something or a part of you is false. Right. So <clears throat> you can let you can resolve the emotions attached to perfection though. But that doesn't mean that perfection won't be a won't still be in the as a part of you. Right? You might no longer think about things being perfect, 
but there's downsides to that too because if perfection if if perfection has been a driver for you for your life now like i said earlier it could also be the inhibitor maybe you don't do things because you're because you need things to be perfect but if we look at it on that side i'm assuming that there's fears of criticism or what oh criticism see talking about perfection and shit's falling apart because i'm assuming there's fears around criticism or you know things being wrong or what other people are going to think or being judged and criticized etc which then stops you so therefore you want it to be perfect so that's a little bit different um and without talking to you i wouldn't i wouldn't know but that's definitely there um but if you resolve let's say that's driven you and you and you don't want it to drive you anymore and you resolve that um then all of a sudden you may go through an identity crisis and then you're just going to face a whole new challenge is right? because if that's a TAI or would you have to get more uh i don't know whether it's a really a TAI because it's a set of actions that are potentially that that um that uh drive perfection you know like drive the pattern of perfectionism like so the the pattern of perfection is a set of actions yeah so it's like what are you doing that you're judging as perfection so that uh as perfectionism so it could be something like so it could be that they're not acting so they're, they're judging themselves for not acting and then labeling it as because i need to get, thinking that i need to get things perfect before i do this right and so there's like the fear on the other side so the the, the trade action or inaction could be um like hesitation to act on ideas yep right and so it'll show up as that 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 action but but you'll be labeling it as perfectionism uh-huh does that make sense it does yes because it's like the big like perfection is a label perfectionism is a label and it has a people will put it into a set uh specific set of thinking and behaviors that they do that then they label as perfectionism. It's also a very common label. Like I feel like <clears throat> perfectionism, self-sabotage, like this sort of language is general population conversation when you really want to understand what's underneath it, you have to dig a little deeper. And if you sit in just using the label of perfectionism, like you just said, you're not going to understand the actions that are driving it. Mm. So people might label perfectionism because in their language they use the word, oh, I just need to get things perfect. Yeah. But that's there's a problem under the problem that people aren't seeing. They think, yeah. oh, I just need to get rid of my perfection, but it's like uh, my perfectionism. But it's like, well, there's probably a thousand reasons how that's either keeping you safe or allowing you to to, you know, like live your value system or something, right? But it's just a label. And it's just a label based on the actions because maybe you think you should be this, I don't know, entrepreneur or, you know, that you should, um, what would be perfect was the perfect week. So like training five days a week. Yeah. Right. And so, so you think, oh shit, like I'm not going to act unless I can get it perfect. And so then you don't act or you might be someone who's driven by perfection, but then your drive for perfection. So a great example of that would be someone like, um, oh, not, oh, I've just gone blank in his name. Um, the dude from Apple, you know, he's obviously passed away now. Uh, Jobs. Steve yeah, Jobs. Steve Jobs. Like he was self-proclaimed perfectionism, but you have a look at their product. Like he was just driving all the time in order to improve. So yeah. he used it as a driver. 
it was like a massive driver for him, right? So that, so there's two sides of it. Because yep. some people too can have the experience of being criticised, right? So let's use that as an example. Let's say you, you're perfectionism and you have the experience of being criticised when you were younger because you didn't do it in the way that someone else said to do it, like your father, your mother or someone. And <clears throat> for some people, they'll go, fuck you. And they'll, they'll be driven by that, right? And so they might go, I want to get things perfect to prove these fuckers wrong, right? And so they've gone on this continual drive of like, um, like potentially not feeling good enough underneath, but this continual drive to prove that, to, to get things perfect, to prove that they are, right? Then other people, that will then stop them. So they'll get criticized and then they create, they're, they're afraid of, that and both people can potentially be afraid of it but one person says fuck you uses a driver the other person goes oh fuck okay i just better play small now yeah right so yeah i'll handbrake now (laughs) i don't know if i've covered enough on perfection (laughs) yeah perfect um it's funny because i made a joke when i like put the questions out i'm like justin's not going to be able to answer all of these questions in 60 minutes we're probably going to have to do multiple podcasts on this so, I hope I, I hope I answered it all right. So, no, well, you answered it perfectly, didn't you, Justin? Oh, it's perfectly imperfect. Right? <laughs> and yeah. I guess if you're listening to this and you have any questions, specific questions related to perfectionism or the action underneath perfectionism, shoot them to Justin and I, and we'll explain it. Justin will explain it. Mm. Yeah. Um. So I'm going to finish the podcast how I wanted to start it. I learned something about you recently. And as if I didn't have you on a pedestal anymore, I mean, already, I now officially do. Dude, you own a fucking donut there? Yeah. That's the coolest thing ever. Uh, Well, there's three. You own three donut there? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Three. So we feed people donuts. Well, one one of our businesses, yeah, we feed people donuts. So it's pretty cool. It's the coolest. Yeah, I I, um, yeah, I've definitely eaten a few donuts over the last six months. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Before Justin and I hit record, he's like, "Oh, I know it's a bit of a contradiction. Like you're into health. I'm like, Nah, dude. I have a tattoo of a donut. Like I love. Really? Yeah. No way. I have a tattoo of a donut. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's like traditional donuts, right? Like hot cinnamon. Yeah, we do hot. So we do hot jam ones. Yeah. So fresh. Cool. Fresh. Where are these donut vans parked? Uh, so if you're in Victoria, <laughs> in Bendigo. I can be in Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> so in Bendigo um, at the lake, so Lake Maruna. Also at the um, markets here. Uh, then we do like Ballarat, Port Arlington, which is down on the beach in Victoria. So a few different places. Yeah. Ah, amazing, Justin. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. It's funny how you just got your whole persona just changed. We went like deep into like perfectionism and stuff. And then we went to talking about my value food and like our energy switch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, food's good. Food is good. It's fucking great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're gonna wrap it up. Can we do another episode soon, Justin? 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. 100%. Um, thanks for spending your time with us today. Thanks for only shaving half your head. Yeah, the perfect and imperfect, right? Um, <laughs> and imperfect. Yeah. Cool. Like I said, if you have any other questions, shoot Justin or I a message and we'll do our best to answer them. Thanks for listening. Cool. Thanks, guys.